Would you stand with us this morning? Wave around the room. Let somebody know that you are glad they are here with you today. We see you all the way in the back. <laughs> it's good to be in church, amen. is the day that you have made whatever comes I won't complain for all my hope is in your name and now your joy awaits my praise I give thanks for all you have done and I will sing of your mercy and your love, your love is unfailing, Lord, I am grateful. Aren't you grateful this morning? When I was down, you brought me out and set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand. You are my God, your faithfulness, my solid rock. I give thanks for all you have done, and I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing, Lord, I am
never leaves you alone. Amen. Praise you. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. And through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the Judging our defender, suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. Forever seated high. I believe in God.
precious name of Jesus. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Exalted above all. Praise you, Heavenly Father. All of the praise. Praise you, Heavenly Father. Exalted above all, God. In this church, in our lives, that you are exalted. Exalted, he is exalted oh, on high, he is exalted for great is the
praise you this morning. Would you lift your hands this morning? Father, we are so grateful for what you have done, for sending your son Jesus. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for us, and we are so grateful. We purpose to live every day for your glory, God. Thank you that wherever we go, you go with us, and the miraculous is possible. precious blood of Jesus, that name of Jesus above all. God, that your will would be done in this place, that we would be your hands and feet to a lost and hurting world and bring them the holy, holy, holy name of Jesus. Sing Yahweh.
name of Jesus. He is good, amen? Aren't you glad we serve a risen king? The name above all names, hallelujah. Praise you, heavenly Father. Isn't it good to be together this morning? Aren't you glad to be in church surrounded by your brothers and sisters? Isn't it good? I see some faces back today that we haven't seen for a while. We see you guys. We love you guys. Don't be strangers. People around you need you. People around you are going through things. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. We have a responsibility as the body of Christ to reach out and love them just like Jesus does. Amen. Well, with that, would you turn and greet somebody? Let them know that you love them. Praise you, Heavenly Father. While you're doing that, we'll dismiss the kids. You can go to your kids' class. God is good, amen. Well, before we get to our announcements, I have, I have some exciting news and some sad news at the same time. Aren't you blessed by this worship band? Aren't you guys grateful? I am so, uh, so blessed to get to serve with a team of worshipers. And uh, we have two of them where today is their last Sunday with us. Where did Miss Barbara go? Stand up, Miss Barbara. Everybody give Miss Barbara... Uh, a round of applause. She has blessed us uh, for, for quite some time now. You're heading to Georgia? Uh, she'll be here around at church for a few more weeks, but this is her last day worshiping with her on the platform. On the platform, Young lady, we are so blessed by your presence and your heart to serve. Amen. And then we have another guy. See this guy back here in the all denim. That's John. Everybody wave hi to John. John has served with us for many, many years. What, probably like six or seven now? I don't know, man. It's been a long time. It's been a long time, and he served in our youth and young adults as well. Uh, John and his family are moving to Texas, so this is his last Sunday with us. Uh, he will be missed. He's been rock solid on that thing. He always teases me. This is one thing I told John this morning. When he leaves, uh, I'll know it's not him playing the bass because he knows that my voice follows the bass, and so every once in a while, he'll throw in a little wrench for me and try to pull me off. But, buddy, I'm going to miss you. We love you. Uh, would you guys give John and Barbara one more round of applause? Now, I've messed this up twice. We, we usually pan around and wave. I'm not going to do that because you're seated today. But I need you guys just on the count of three to yell hi at the top of your lungs. So everybody that's watching online, Miss Beth at home, they can all hear you. Ready? One, two, three. I think that's going to work. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. I like that. You guys, uh, we are so glad that you are here today. I know that we have some, uh, some visitors uh, that are here today. We want to welcome you. You are always welcome. Hi, guys. I see you. I won't call you out, right? <laughs> but give them a round of applause, guys. They're here today visiting with us. They brought the whole family. They have three kids that are going to be blessed today in kids' ministry as well. Um, guys, we have a lot of things coming up. Isn't it good that everything's starting to open back up? Right, this church, this church was early in opening back up, and things are rolling and rolling, and we are not going to let anything stop the word of God uh, from from moving forward. Uh, there's some things coming up, guys. Do you have chances to serve uh, in the children's ministry that are coming up? Every Tuesday we have Awanas. Is it, whose kids in here go to Awanas? Is anybody else's kids besides mine? 
Back there, I see you, Clarissa. Hi, guys. Hi, Eli. I see you guys. Uh, if you have young kids or kids in your neighborhood, tell their parents about the Iwana program. Uh, they come every Tuesday from 3.30 to 5. They do games. Uh, there's Bible memorization, uh, and they also t talk about Bible stories. These kids are getting uh, the Word of God poured into them by Pastor Lauren and her volunteers every Tuesday, and there's an opportunity for you to help there as well. Uh, guys, we are so uh, grateful to be able to announce a couple other things that are coming up uh, that really... Uh, the, the world tried to take away from us, but God is bigger. Amen. Uh, Vacation Bible School for kids four years old through fifth grade is coming up. That is July 19th through 23rd, so mark your calendars. We also have a kids camp in at the church uh, August 9th through 11th. This is far out, but this is giving you opportunities to serve, right? Like put these little seeds in your mind because I don't like staying up all night with the kids. Every time. I'm getting older, so I could use some more of you. Vacation Bible School and then... Uh, is July 19th, and we also have the kids camp in at church August 9th through 11th. That is grades 1 through 6, and that's where we actually, uh, instead of going away to camp, uh, we do a camp in here. We have a lot of fun. There's usually pool parties and all kinds of fun things involved uh, with that as well. Um, but mark those dates, and if you are interested in helping or you want more information, we guys, there's never, uh, there's never too many ways uh, to serve in a church, right? If you if you if you work strictly on the cameras, come on, we could use you in kids too. If you come on, if you come to church uh, and call this your home church, come on, we want helpers, we need helpers, and and one of the reasons is we want the people that uh, serve continually in the kids ministries to be able to be in here as well, having the word of God poured into them, right? It's a it's a cycle that keeps happening, and I know that uh, that my life was heavily impacted by several other people that still go to this church when I was in the kids ministry, uh, they would serve there as well. So you guys have the chance to continue to pay it forward and serve in those capacities as well. Uh, ladies, you have an event coming up on April 24th. That is a Saturday. That is the Outdoor Spring Boutique. Bo boutique? Boutique. Somebody help me out. Boutique. You got to say it with an accent. Boutique. Her sons live in Texas, so it's a boutique now. That's going to be April 24th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. You guys will be able to come grab a cup of coffee and some items from a bakery that will be there. Um, and there will be numerous vendors. It's going to be out on the back patio uh, where you'll be able to shop and, uh, and have some really uh, fun time just hanging out. Um, sometimes uh, women just like to be together, whether they're shopping or not. Right? It's kind of like when, I, when I'm eating food in front of the TV. I don't know how much I've consumed. So go bless these vendors and just hang out with your friends and just buy a lot of stuff. Uh, if you're interested in being a vendor, see Lindy Reculia. Lindy's right here. Raise your hand. Uh, she had a table out in the lobby this morning. That table will be out in the back after the service. So you can see her for more information about the event and also about being a vendor, okay? Last thing, I believe, is our food court Sunday. See, let me check my phone because Miss Beth. All right, no new text from Miss Beth this morning. Food court is next Sunday after the morning service. If you guys are with us, uh, we're going to do this every month uh, that we can, weather permitting. And you know, in California, as we head into the summer, weather only gets better, right? So we're going to be blessed by good weather next week as well. Uh, we'll head down to the food court after service. I think we had 120 people last time when we pulled a bunch of chairs together and just got to fellowship. How many, how many of you guys got to meet someone new last time or talk to somebody that you see across the auditorium? every week. And yeah, lots of hands going up. So that's always a blessing. So make sure to make time to join us for that next week after the Sunday morning service. Uh, we do want to give you an opportunity to give this morning. Uh, you know, ever 
since uh, all of this has started, offerings looked a little different, but we always, after the end of the service, we have guys uh, at those back doors. If you're doing a cash, uh, doing cash or check, you can use the envelopes right there in your seat back. We also, if you uh, are giving online, uh, you can do that as well. Then there's also a way to give by text. How many of you know it is good to be able to give? Amen. The Lord blesses you, so go ahead and bless other people as he has commanded, right? It is better to give than to receive. I know that's hard to get in our heads sometimes, but that's why it doesn't need to be here. It needs to be here, right? It's better to give than to receive. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, for this time to come together, to worship you, to honor you, to hear your word, God. And we don't take for granted the things that you've blessed us with, Lord, that we would be faithful in the little things and God, in the scheme of this world, money is little. You are what is important. So we choose to be faithful in our tithes and our offerings so that you can show and see that we are faithful to you and you can continue to bless us and use us in even bigger things, God. We give with a grateful heart, Lord, for we are grateful for the things that you have done in our lives. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, would you stand with us one more time? Praise you, Father God. darkness fills the night, it cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy underneath my feet. You are my sword and shield, though trouble lingers still. Whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me, I know who stands behind, the God of angel armies is always by my side, the one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine, the God of angel armies is always by my side. Friend of mine, the God of 
bless your holy name we exalt you we thank you father for your goodness and your mercy for the great and wonderful things that you we bless you father we worship you we magnify your holy name blessed be the name of the Lord we'll say it with me the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Paul writing one of the, if not the last letters that he wrote was to Timothy who was pastoring the church at Ephesus, which was known as the, the largest uh, church at that point in time. Paul is about to be offered... His life is about to be offered as a sacrifice. And he said this, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves te teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. Paul is writing to the church and he is speaking about things that are not necessarily exclusive to end time events. But if you just back up a chapter to chapter 3, you'll see that he, uh, that's where he gives the list of things and the condition of men's hearts at the end. And so when he's talking about preaching the word and keeping, uh, holding on to sound doctrine, obviously these are things that the devil uses to attack people he tries to pull you away from the word. And the importance of that is this whole world is set up to run on words. The Bible says that Jesus, or that uh, at the beginning in the creation, God created things but with the words of his mouth. He spoke light into existence. He spoke the land. He spoke the animals into being. Words are containers. The Bible says in, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
death and life are in the power of the tongue. The Bible also says that God will satisfy us through the words of our mouths. In other words, our words determine what we have in this world. You remember Jesus talking about the, uh, the operation of faith in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. He said, whosoever shall say unto the mountain. He didn't say whosoever shall pray about the mountain. He didn't say whosoever shall talk to God about the mountain. He said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which you saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That word salvation is an all-inclusive term. It means to rescue, to deliver, to make safe, make sound, and to heal. Our words carry power. And the devil's number one job, the thing that he works at more than anything else, is to distract us so that we do not speak God's word. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they're life. Well, what makes his words spirit and life? He was speaking God's word. God's words are full of life and full of spirit. They're the words that are spirit in their life. But other words carry power too. The devil's words carry power. Just not power that benefits us according to the will of God. You remember when Jesus asked his disciples, I think it's in Matthew chapter 16, he said, who do men say that I am? Peter answered for the group and he said, well, some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then Jesus turned it on them and said, who do you say I am? Peter again spoke up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus commended him. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. He went on to say, and, and uh, he's giving the church, he gave the church authority over all the power of the devil. But then very shortly after, there, it says that he began to plainly teach his disciples that he was going to Jerusalem, he would be killed, and he would be resurrected the third day. Peter spoke up again, and he said, Not so, Lord. Now, I understand his sentiment. I understand that he might not have wanted it to turn out that way. But Jesus is telling him, here's what's going to happen. And so when Peter said, Not so, Jesus spoke to him again and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, he's not calling Peter the devil. But he's identifying just as Peter had spoken by the inspiration of God to reveal who Jesus is, the Messiah. Now he's speaking by the inspiration of the devil. Now did Peter know he was speaking by the devil's influence? We have no reason to think that he would. But anytime we take sides against God's word, we're operating according to the devil's plan and purpose. There's a spirit behind the words that we speak. It's either the spirit of God or it's the spirit of the world, which is under the influence of the devil. Your words carry power, spiritual power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That means you choose by your words whether you're going to have the things of God or whether you're going to operate according to the things of the world.
Now, I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 2 because I want you to see some things about this end-time plan and purpose of God. Revelation chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 12. And to the angel of the church at Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. And thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. We know through Paul's writings that there was a situation with the churches of Galatia in the region of Galatia where Jews, leaders of the, of the Jewish, leaders of Judaism, had come into those towns that Paul had started, churches, and they tried to impose upon them the keeping of the law. In other words, they came to them and said, well, this Jesus stuff, that's good, that's right, that's, that's appropriate. We want you to believe in Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to keep the law of Moses. Well, Paul wrote a letter to the Galatians telling them how stupid that was to believe that those things, to embrace that teaching, to operate according to the Old Testament rather than to recognize that Jesus fulfilled the things of the Old Testament and now everything is new. Then some 30 years later, here in Revelation, it tells us about how John received of Jesus information pertaining to seven specific churches, literal churches, that were in the, in the region of Asia. And notice that in just a short period of time, they've adopted wrong doctrine and allowed it into their church. Now the doctrine of Balaam, you remember in the Old Testament tells us about how Balaam was uh, recruited by an enemy king of Israel to prophesy against them. And he's on the way to accept that assignment. And the mule that he's riding stops, throws him off, and he comes to realize that there was an angel that was waiting to take his life and that the donkey saved his life by stopping. When he speaks to the, to the donkey, the donkey responds back to him. I used to think that was such a big thing, such a major miracle, but then I came to realize how many donkeys are still speaking today. <laughs> So when Balaam gets to Balak, this enemy uh, king of Israel, he tells him that he can't prophesy against those whom God has blessed. How can he curse those whom God has blessed? But he, di he didn't just stop there. 
he instructed Balak what to do. And so Balak sent prostitutes into the camp of Israel to draw them away into fornication and to evil. This is a doctrine that's obviously influenced and originated by the devil. But it shows, well, let me, let me speak to the Nicolaitan doctrine too and include them in here. Nicholas was one of the original deacons. You remember in, in Acts chapter 6, it talks about how that the church in Jerusalem had grown to such a point that people were being neglected when it came to the daily ministration of food and, and so forth. And rather than the apostles take themselves away from prayer and the study of the word, by the Holy Ghost they recommended that they choose seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, to appoint over this business, the business aspects of the church. And that pleased everybody. Well, one of those seven people was a man named Nicholas. And it says he was a proselyte. What that means is he had been converted from paganism, idolatry, to Judaism. And then when Jesus came on the scene, he was converted to Christianity. One thing about Nicholas, he was willing to change. But the doctrine of the Nicolaitans was pretty much just mixing everything together and calling it God. And notice that John tells us by the revelation of the Holy Ghost that Jesus said that was a doctrine that he hated. It amazes me how people mix different spiritual doctrines and think they're all the same or all equal. So here you've got a church one of the main churches in that day operating in false doctrine and they don't even recognize it. Now they're not the only ones. In Thyatira, if you move down just a couple of verses to verse 18, under the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, these things saith the Son of God who has eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and the hearts and I will give every one of you according to your works. Here's another situation where an individual, now think about this. How interesting awesome it would be for Jesus to single out a certain person in a church for their wrongdoing 
I'm not sure what position she was able to hold after these letters start circulating around. Jesus flat called her out. He's tried to deal with her privately. He dealt with her as a repent, but she refused. And so he calls her out for all eternity. But why would the church allow something like that to happen? It indicates that the church hadn't figured out who she is and taking steps to stop her from infiltrating the church with her sin. Maybe they're at a place where they just want to live and let live. Look with me to chapter 3. Under the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou art a name, thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Here's another church that apparently has a reputation for being a real with it and alive church. But apparently the things that they're doing that have built a name for themselves aren't being done at the instruction of the Lord or with their whole heart. So you've got false doctrine in this church too. Now that's three of the seven churches that are operating in false doctrine or operating in some sort of error. Look at chapter 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would that thou wert hot or cold. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. But because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Here's the church that seems to be infected with a love for, of physical things, material things, specifically money and, and things of wealth, so that before God they're neither hot nor cold. We might call that casual Christianity today. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. I'm just not going to commit my life to him. There's a lot of people in the modern day church whose Savior is Jesus, but he's just their Savior and not their Lord. Now I want you to turn back with me to chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2. Let me show you something that I think will have a bigger impact on us after we've seen the other things. 
This is the instruction under the church, the angel of the church at Ephesus. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience. For my name's sake has labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. Now notice verse 6. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. They've resisted this wrong doctrine by the Nicolaitans. Now let's, let me show you something about how that fits into the history that's revealed in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19, Paul is in Ephesus. That's the church that, James, that John is writing to several decades later. I'll start in verse 11 of Acts 19, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, which took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Seba, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious art brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now, folks, if we started reading a little bit earlier in this chapter, we'd see that Paul was there and had spent about three and a half years there in Ephesus. And it tells us that from Ephesus, nearly the whole world was, had the gospel preached to them. Ephesus was a, was a crossroad city. People were coming and going because of the, uh, it was a seaport city. And because of trade and merchandising and so forth, the people that were in Ephesus or the people that came through Ephesus and heard the word of the Lord then went out to other places and took that word with them to tell other people about it. It was the greatest mission station that we have record of in, in the days of the church. But now notice what it says about it. It says that after this situation with the seven sons of Siva, the name of Jesus was magnified and the name of Paul was magnified too as Jesus' servant. And as a result of that miraculous event where the evil spirit overcame those seven sons of Siva, because of that, 
It says that they gave up their curious arts, their occult practices and their books. Well, what are they doing with those things anyway? I mean, I'm glad they gave them up. But it shows that their understanding was that Christianity was just something to mix in with everything else. But when they stripped themselves of those things and gave those things up, notice again in verse 20, it says, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Jesus said in John chapter 8, after a good many of the religious leaders and the Jews believed on Jesus, John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said unto those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus made a distinction between believers and disciples. The ones that believed on him either believed that he was the Messiah or they believed at the very least that he was a prophet and a servant of God. But he doesn't say, that's it, you're in now. Just wait till after I go to the cross and then you'll receive eternal life. He says, if you continue in my word, then shall you be my disciples. And because of continuing in the word, then shall you know the truth and the truth will set you free. Folks, anybody that's made Jesus the Lord of their life is victorious over sin and death. But that doesn't mean they'll experience the will of God here on the earth. It doesn't mean they'll walk in victory over the devil here. And I think because of that, because the church has known so little victory over so long a period of time, that much of the draw or the part that we emphasize, the part that the church emphasizes through salvation is your reward in heaven. But God wants you to have some reward here. God wants you to proclaim the name of Jesus through victory over the devil now. Jesus said you'd do the same works he did and even greater works because he went to the Father. We've been... Uh, well, the last couple of weeks we had guest speakers and it really wasn't planned that way. It just turned out to be that. And both of them, when they were here, talked about how long our church had been here. I don't usually think about things like that because as far as I'm concerned, whether it's the first year or the 35th year, my job's the same and that is to preach the word. But because of some things that they said, not only in services, but then afterwards when we were having lunch with them and so forth, 
it occurred to me that our church has really never experienced what so many other churches do. Our church has never split and it never will. And that in itself is such a foreign thing to the, church, to the California religious experience. You guys heard about the man that was shipwrecked and isolated on a desert island for 20 years. Well, these rescuers came to take him, but he showed them around before he left. And the captain of the ship that rescued him said, now, I see this is your, your house. You built a hut that you used for a house. He said, I see also next to that that you built another house or another hut and you use that as your church. He said, but what's the third hut? And the guy said, well, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> that's pretty much the California religious experience. And we've been here long enough to see just about everything there is to see. We've seen the reasons people give for leaving. Some of them are legitimate. I mean, sometimes people are directed by the Lord to move away for their family or their financial situation or just whatever. And you hate to see people like that go, but you understand that. But then there are also others over the years that have left for what they think are spiritual reasons. Things where they didn't accept the teaching on some certain subject perhaps or something along that line. And even that, you understand, or you come to understand at least. Some people you just outgrow. I know that sounds hard. And I know nobody wants to consider themselves to be the one that was outgrown. But that's just the reality. Not everybody wants to follow the Lord at the same pace. But one of the things that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24 about the end was some of the conflicts that would be among people. He said nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. Well, the word kingdom is what we would know of as a country. But the word nations is talking about ethnic groups. We see a lot of things that are going on in the country around us regarding race. Now, folks, there's always been an element of racism in society And it would be great if that wasn't there. But you can't legislate it away because it has to do with the condition of people's hearts. I wish we could legislate all evil away. But you can't.
One of the things that many people fail to realize, as we said earlier, words are containers. They're containers of spiritual forces, either faith or fear. It's just the way things are made. And as such, God's words spoken by us have the Spirit of God behind it. In other words, our choice to speak God's word into a situation or in any situation in our life brings the spiritual force of God's power to bear. But words that we speak that are contrary to God's words, just like when Peter said, not so, Lord, those words carry power too. Those words carry spiritual forces of faith, uh, I'm sorry, of fear, and will prevent us from receiving what God's best is for us. I know you're not supposed to say things like this. But the fact is, the voice of racism in this country is from the organization Black Lives Matter. Now, this organization, Black Lives Matter, claims to be a Marxist organization, which means their doctrine, their stance is something that's predicated or built on the teachings of Karl Marx. Let me read just a, a couple of real quick quotes to let you know the organization's foundation. These are things that Karl Marx espoused throughout his life. He said this, he said, my object in life is to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. The next quote is, take away a nation's heritage and they are more easily persuaded. Folks, that's what all this cancel culture, revisionist history stuff is about. He said, keep people from their history and they're easily controlled. He said, communism begins where atheism begins. Get this. He said, the meaning of peace is the absence of opposition to socialism. In other words, the meaning of peace is when you let me have my way. He said this as well. The democratic concept, he's not talking about Republicans versus Democrats, he's talking about democracy. He said, the democratic concept of man is false because it is Christian. The democratic concept holds that each man is a sovereign being. This is the illusion, dream, and postulate of Christianity. Here's something else he said. The theory of communism may be summed up in one sentence. Abolish all private property. Folks, this is where things are going from the devil's perspective. 
he said this also. He said, a heavy or progressive or graduated income tax is necessary for this proper development of communism. So whatever people tell you tax increases or tax hikes are for, from the devil's standpoint, is to place mankind in bondage. Here's another one. Anyone who knows anything of history knows that great social changes are impossible without feminine upheaval. Social progress can be measured exactly by the social position of the fair sex, the ugly ones included. That's all his quote. I didn't add that. <laughs> Folks, that's what this transgender uh, idiocy is about. Look at what it's directed toward. It's a war against women. Just like God said that it would be after the fall. He said, I'll place enmity between you, the devil, and the woman. Here's another one. The last capitalist we hang shall be the one who sold us the rope. He said this. He said, we know that violence measures against religion are nonsense. But this is an opinion. As socialism grows, religion will disappear. Its disappearance must be done by social development in which education must play a part. This next one uh, explains a lot of what's going on today too. Accuse your enemy of what you are doing as you do it to create confusion. We all know how that hits home, don't we? Here's the last one I'll give you. Karl Marx said, I wish to avenge myself against the one who rules above. Now here's an atheist acknowledging the existence of God. Jesus said that one of the main things that we would see in the last days is deception. He said, many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. It's sad to see, but we do see it. And we'll see an increase in it as we get closer and closer to the end. But we'll see churches doing exactly what Paul said. They'll try to tickle the ears of people rather than enduring sound doctrine, holding fast to the truth. Remember, Jesus said to the ones who believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Folks, the, the only truth, the only revealer of truth is the word of God. That's the only truth there is. And whenever you see people giving up on the simple truth of the word, no matter what other purpose or whatever doctrine or whatever teaching 
they try to substitute. They're doing the devil's work. The Lord prompted me to pray some years ago that the devil's plans would be exposed. And that those who have joined themselves to his plan would be seen for who they are. I've never had a prayer so abundantly answered. The battle lines are clearly drawn. Now when I say that, it may cause some people to wonder, what am I advocating? Well, I'm always advocating the word. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces taking place behind the scene. And so when we see the things that are taking place around us, when we see the devil's agenda being advanced, our job is to pray. It would be nice if we had scripture that says that our prayers would change everything and give us back our country. But you can't find that in the scripture. When the Bible says that, in the, that toward the end, men will wax worse and worse, men will wax worse and worse. We can't change the truth of God's word just because it doesn't suit us politically or economically or whatever. The devil will continue with his agenda. And at the very least, I think we could say that it's accelerating at a pace like we've never seen before. So our job is to pray. Our job is to pray that the glory of the Lord will be seen and known upon the church. As much as I would like President Trump to be reinstated as president and continue with the good work that he did for the country, it's more important that the power of God be seen upon the church. Because putting Trump back in office is not going to save anybody. But the power of God working on the church will. Amen. So we have a very specific mandate identified in the scripture. And that is to pray in these last days for the latter rain. Now that's a Bible term that's talking about the moving of the Holy Ghost. There is a work of the Holy Ghost, not a different work, but an increased work. 
that will bring about the last day harvest what Jesus called the precious fruit of the earth. The only thing God's ever cared about was people. He made the earth and he created it as a paradise. But not so that he could say what a good job he did in making the earth. But to provide a place for his man. God's only cared about people. And because he cares about people, he instituted a wonderful plan of redemption that is entered into by believing the truth of the Bible concerning the resurrection of Jesus and the spoken word containers of God's saving power that brings them into the family of God. What I'm saying, folks, is everything down to and including the salvation of mankind comes through the words that we speak. As I said, over the years, we've had people leave for a variety of reasons. But one thing that I notice about this, the things that are happening in these last days, we've had a couple of people leave us over the racial issues, the Black Lives Matter stuff, And I can honestly say that nothing's ever hurt me so bad as that. I'm smart enough to know that people are going to be people. But there's a supernatural aspect of people concerning the people that have left us over the last year. because I either wouldn't say enough about Black Lives Matter or I said too much or whatever. I've heard it both ways. But there's something supernatural attached to that leaving. They haven't lost their salvation because they left our church yet. No, I'm just kidding. They still love God with all their heart. But I have to say that according to the word, they've been deceived by the action that they've taken. And the further and further we get toward the end, the closer and closer we get to the end, I guess is a better way to say it. The more and more we'll see people, churches change or people change. And that change will take them away from victory in their lives. 
I have a new anointing to pray. I can't tell you why it's something that's just happened over the last year. Because as I said, we've been here for 35 years. And I've always prayed for the people that God has given us. But the praying that I'm doing now has been in some cases alarming to me. I catch myself saying things in prayer that I'm not thinking. Usually it comes as a result of speaking in tongues and then I'll speak out something that I assume is the interpretation of that tongue. And some of those things that I've caught myself saying, if that's a good way to say it, you decide for yourself. But some of those things have alarmed me. This last year, 2020, has been a very, very interesting year on a lot of fronts. One of the greatest things that I think has come from this and the activities and the things that are going on around us seems to be lost on a lot of people. I didn't know until this COVID stuff came along uh, and added on to the other things that are taking place too. I never realized that people were so fragile. You hear all the statistics about how suicides are increased, how depressed people are and so forth. I never knew people were so fragile. I guess that's just faulty thinking on my part. Because the only thing that can really make you strong in this life is the word of God. The confession of his word is really the only thing that will ever make you able to stand. But there's a lot of the church that's not standing. There's a lot of the church that are hoping for God to do their part. Which he can't. But just as we've seen how fragile people are, how fragile the American system is, in the same measure, we've seen God come through in miraculous ways. God will always take care of his own. But who are those that are his? Are those that are his just the ones that are born again? Or are those that are his 
those disciples who have continued in the word. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Is it settled in you? The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. God's word, which we have record of, is his witness. That's one. But it's only when you and I begin to speak what his word says that it becomes established in our lives. It's too late for casual Christianity. It's too late to play church. It's too late to pretend that we're committed to God completely if we're not. We know what the devil wants. He's gotten much of what he wanted over the last year or two. But what about us? I'm going to close with John chapter 15. Verse 7. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now the word abide is a present perfect tense which means it's a continual thing when we say that Jesus abides in our heart we mean, we mean that he's there now we mean that he'll be there tomorrow we mean that he'll be there forever that's the abiding that he's talking about here if you abide in me and my words abide in you you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. I want you to notice, folks, that God is glorified when we get what we will. God is glorified when our will comes to pass in this earth. Now that scares some people. Because they look at the frailty and the wickedness of man and they think, well, God wouldn't let us have our will if our will was ungodly. But notice the criteria is if you abide in me, Jesus said, and my word abides in you. If God's word abides in you, then what you will is the will of God. It's only when you depart from the word that your will comes in contrast or in opposition to God's will. But if his word abides in you, then your will is his will. And he's glorified when that will comes to pass in your life. Folks, there's only one reason God gave us his word, and that is to keep it. He reveals to us his will and his purpose and his character 
through the word of God. And then he performs it in our lives when we speak his word. I've never been so excited about his plan for the church or God's plan for me as an individual as I am now. We may never have faced the potential for so much against us as we do now. But it's in the hard places, the difficult places, the places where many will be anxious and stressed out. That's when God comes through in big measure. Why would God need to display his power to do things that we can do ourselves? But when we get in that place where we're totally dependent on him, when we come to the place where it's God or nothing, that's when he shows himself strong. I believe we'll have a wave of revival that's precipitated by the healing power of God that will sweep in millions of people into God's family. And just as the devil thinks he's got God hogtied, God will show how strong he really is. And folks, I firmly believe that seeing that and participating in that and being a part of that is worth any natural price there is to pay. Let's all stand. Let's just lift our hands and our hearts to the Lord and pray for a few minutes. Hallelujah. Father, you said to ask of you rain in the days, the last, last days. Pray for a moving of the Holy Ghost. And you said if we would ask you for the rain, you would display your presence and your power among us. Father, we don't ask to see your power just to tickle our fancy. We seek your power to magnify the name of Jesus. To prove to the world that Jesus is alive. That you are. We thank you, Father, that by the Holy Ghost and by the word of God, we have a hedge of protection around us that brings healing to our bodies that supernaturally immunizes us against any and every sickness and disease. We thank you, Father, that the spirit of life in Christ Jesus saturates every cell of our bodies and every fiber of our beings. We thank you, Father, for a hedge of protection around us 
so that our needs are always met and so that we have an abundance and not lack that we walk and abide in your provision miraculous provision you said father that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just you said that the silver and gold is yours we thank you for making that available to your people no matter what the economy does no matter what way the world goes Father, you said that you would give us peace. We claim the peace of God for this church and everybody that's a part of it. Where the world may be in turmoil, the church will be a light. Where the world sees only destruction, through the church, through us, Lord, They'll see your hand upon us. Now, Holy Spirit, we don't know how to pray for these things as we ought to know, but you do. And so we ask that you give us utterance in other tongues that we might pray the perfect will of the Father. Yes, protection, Lord. Father, we pray that your glory would be greater than the glory that you showed upon your church in the early days. We pray that your power would be manifest in even greater ways that we see in the book of Acts. We thank you, Father, for bringing these things to pass. We thank you for sound doctrine that holds us steady. We respect you, Father. And as such, we will never depart from you. Thank you that you've continued to overtake us with blessings and that you never change. Show us, Lord. Reveal to us that which we need to see. Teach us that which we need to know. Reveal to us that which we have not yet seen. That we might be your mighty hand in this earth. In Jesus' precious name, amen.
Lord, we worship you. We magnify your holy name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us into the reality of the revival to come. Thank you for guiding us into the reality of the victory that's ours. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us into the reality of the truth. In Jesus' precious, holy, mighty name. Amen. Say it with me. Thank God for the latter rain. Thank God for the power of the Lord. Amen. These are exciting times. Days of peace. Days of victory. Days of